Hey now, we are getting over and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times. Data with the WWE edition of your favorite professional wrestling podcast. That's right, getting over is back and we are under five weeks away from WrestleMania 38, which means the Silver King and Vintage Chris Benini are here to break down everything that happened across SmackDown and Raw this week as the road to WrestleMania narrows. We have a loaded show with some pretty significant news, not just for WWE this week, but for potentially the company's future in the main event of today's show. And of course, we are going to discuss everything else that happened on TV in the good, the bad, and the ugly. But I would be remiss if I began any episode of the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast without reminding you that here on this show, we are always about one thing. Here on Getting Over. So please do not forget... Head on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave a five-star rating on Apple. Also leave a review. Let people know how much you love this podcast. This is our busiest time of the year. As I teased, I guess you could say, on Thursday's show, we got some pretty big stuff coming up here on Getting Over uh, as we make our way not only on this road to WrestleMania 38, AEW Revolution is coming up this weekend, and there's going to be some fallout from that as well. So, There's a lot of stuff working here uh, in the Getting Over universe, and I hope that you guys are along for the ride the entire way. Please do not forget those five-star ratings and reviews. They help us massively uh, when you can leave them on Apple Podcasts on Spotify. Also, do not forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. That way uh, you can know when new episodes are released. Uh, You can follow along with us live during all of the TV shows, and you can participate in our pre and post-show polls for pay-per-views. And that's going to matter this week because on Sunday, March 6th, we have AEW Revolution. So the way our schedule this week here at Getting Over is going to go, of course, today is the WWE episode. On Thursday, we're going to have our AEW Revolution Ultimate Preview. We're also going to discuss NXT on that show. And then on Sunday, 30 minutes before the AEW kickoff show begins, Of course, we'll have our live AEW Revolution pre-show on Twitter Spaces. All you need to do is follow us at Getting Overcast to join on that. We'll talk more about that on Thursday. But of course, as soon as the pay-per-view goes off the air, we will also have AEW Revolution instant analysis. So a ton of shows this week for Getting Over and plenty of reason to subscribe to this podcast if you have not already. But enough of me. Let's get another voice into the show. Chris Vanini, welcome. It's been a... while. I don't think I've spoken to you in a week at this point. Hope all is well. And you know what? Uh, WWE, it's been pretty frustrating recently, but I am decently excited to discuss what happened across TV uh, this this past week on this show. Yeah, th- there was there was some news, you know, in the ring, out, out of the ring. I thought Raw was solid, not great. And I don't think we've talked since Cesaro sort of left WWE either. I don't know if we wanted to get in and talk how far we want to go into that or not. But uh, yeah, it's been quite a bit since we last talked. That is, you know what, something um, that we can do. It is something else for us to talk about. A little Julia Roberts, Robert Duvall action here. Uh, That is something we can discuss. And I did not have it slotted into the show just because I forgot it happened on a random day. 
so far between episodes that I didn't even discuss it. So yes, before we get to the main event, Chris, thank you for bringing it up. Cesaro is no longer with WWE, uh, you know, combining a number of different reports together here. The news basically is that they could not come to a ter- come to terms on a new deal. Um, now, this is not that dissimilar, at least the way the story has gone, the way I've been reading it, the way I've heard it. It's not that dissimilar from what happened with Drew Gulak a couple of years ago, where you'll remember they were in negotiations, his contract expired. Whether he got another offer or not, I don't know. Like, I'm not sure what ended up being the catalyst, but ultimately Drew Gulak returned. He signed a new contract uh, and was put right back on WWE TV, only missing a couple of weeks. So this could be that for Cesaro. It could be him uh, trying to play a card, maybe efforting to get an offer, let's say from an AEW, bring it back to Vince and say, hey, pay me this or I walk or, you know, for good. I'm officially gone. Um, I know that even though his contract is over and he's technically a free agent, they have not removed him off of the roster page, at least last time I checked. So, you know, he hasn't spoken. So I don't know if he is gone, if he is planning to pursue other opportunities, but he is definitely one of those guys along with William Regal recently, who obviously just, he was released William Regal. Uh, But Cesaro is one of those guys who I just kind of assumed was a WWE lifer where it made a lot of sense given the work he's already done, the accomplishments and success he's had and how he could help the company for the future. Not only as just a top notch work rate guy who obviously can be that guy along with Dolph Ziggler that incorporates new talents and can slot himself into a tag team program and mid-card program or even a main event program when you need him. He's just that invaluable piece of the roster. Uh, But also, you know, he is getting up there in years candidly, and he's done such great work over such a long time. It felt to me like WWE valued him to such a degree, they'd pay him what it took to keep him. Um, Now, you know, we don't know what their offer was. We don't know what he wants, how far apart it is, whatever the case might be. But as of right now, Cesaro is not with WWE and he is a free agent, which means he can potentially go anywhere. Chris, to me, that was a really surprising development. I think to everyone, it was a really surprising development. And, you know, I, we talk about this all the time when people leave WWE or or become free agents. There's some people we want to see elsewhere, like the Miros, right? The Andrades, right. where it made a lot of sense. But there's also a number of talents where I don't want to see them elsewhere, where I think they are not only maybe best utilized in WWE, but needed more by WWE than they would be elsewhere. Like, for example, Cesaro. Him going over to AEW, I don't know what that would do for them. I don't think nope. he adds anything to that product. And I don't think he's going to suddenly enter the world title conversation. Whereas in WWE, there's so many different uses for him, if they, of course, used him to the best of his abilities, uh, that you see like, oh, I'm, I know I'm going to see this guy on TV all the time. Whereas with AEW, maybe you don't for months at a time. So I don't know, man, what are your thoughts on the entire thing? But that's just initially where my mind goes when I kind of talk about Cesaro and I did want to lay it out and break down the situation for everyone. Yeah. And, and he is still on the roster page. I, ju- I just pulled it up. So that is, and they notable. usually take people down immediately. They do. They do. And you know, it, it's a few things. One, you know, this isn't that clearly they don't want to cut him or they would have just not renewed him. This isn't a similar situation with so many people who have been cut. They clearly find some sort of value in him that they want to keep him. But at the moment, it's not at the level that Cesaro thinks he should be. He's also 41 years old, so he is up there in age, although he is in great shape and doesn't look like a guy who's going to no, retire yeah. anytime soon. But it's not like, you know, a young guy trying to find, you know, find a spot. He is obviously on the, the second half of his 
career. And I, I think, you know, with Cesaro, the conversation around him is it's always this kind of meta conversation of WWE doesn't utilize him the right way. He has all this potential. He should be so-and-so, should be world champion, whatever. I we, we need to get out of the mindset that you're only a success if you became a world champion. Correct. That, that, that's not the case. I, I mean, Razor Ramon never won the WWE championship. You know, and he's a legend. Like the, the, there are there are ways to evaluate people's careers. Cesaro finally got that title shot last year uh, at uh, one of the last Thunderdome pay-per-views. And the match was good. We we, we know we're going to get a good match out of Cesaro. But the promos and everything around it were kind of, eh. You know, he's been in yeah. this company for a decade now. And it's just not there on the mic. And that's okay. It's not there for everybody. He is an incredible worker who has a role, a role that WWE clearly would like to keep him. And he's won several tag team championships with multiple partners. He's, he's one of the most versatile tag team wrestlers we've had in a long time. So uh, he's had a very good career. I think he can continue to have a good career. I don't know where that goes next. May, you know, maybe he's hoping for an AEW offer to get some leverage against WWE, mm-hmm. but you're right. I don't really know where he would fit in AEW, which is, has its own bloated roster. So uh, yeah, like it's it's interesting he's still on the roster, so I'm I'm not sure what's next. And, and there is something to be said about the comment you just made about not everyone being a world champion because it's true. Now, multiple things can be true uh, and mutually exclusive to each other. Has Cesaro been underused in his WWE career? Yes, he has. Is he someone who absolutely should have been world champion and therefore was underused because he was not world champion? No, I, I've never believed that. Um, Cesaro, despite being absolutely incredible in the ring, having awesome presence, getting the able to get a crowd on his side, forget long-term, but in minutes, in the middle of a match with a hot tag mm-hmm. or just an incredible sequence, whatever the case might be, Cesaro has that exciting package. But there are so many wrestlers who in their careers have been fantastic entertainers especially in ring, but are simply not world championship material. And even though Cesaro is really well-spoken and I've interviewed him a couple times and smart, funny guy, he, and could carry the title like a world champion needs to carry the title in terms of pictures and and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. He's also not really someone I see going and being on the late show with Stephen Colbert. You know, I I don't see him going on, uh, the Jimmy Fallon show, the Tonight Show. He is he um, is the guy you could do on an you know, on international tours, get him in front of all yes. these different international audiences because of all the languages he speaks. He, but he's not right. someone he's not someone who can carry an entire segment on the mic in a in a promo standoff, for example. And even playing the B side against Roman Reigns, he struggled to do so against Reigns and Paul Heyman. And they gave him that opportunity mm-hmm. to kind of step up and and really show that he belonged to be in that position permanently. And they had a nice program and it was great that Cesaro got a title shot and their match was fantastic and all of that was good. But he is not the type of guy who really you could rely on to be the A side. He's very much in many ways a B side. Now, I look at his resume of accomplishments in WWE. One-time US champion, five-time Raw Tag Team Champion, two-time SmackDown Tag Team Champion, Andre the Giant winner. I look at that and I say, well, is that 
a really accomplished career. You know, it, it's nice. He did a really good job Se- with those seven tag, seven tag team championship reigns is pretty darn impressive. I, I, it I, is. I, I want to try to look up what the but in the context, is. but in the context of of who he is and what he could have accomplished in WWE, they could have done a lot more with him. Is what I'm saying because all sure. of those tag team reigns. So the bar once that developed, it ended up becoming the best tag team he was ever in. In terms of like, it was a real solid together tag team. Um, and it made sense and it lasted for a while and that whole deal. The Tyson kid one, it was really entertaining, but it was short-lived. The Shinsuke Nakamura, similarly entertaining, but short-lived. For this guy to have one singles title in his entire WWE career is pretty ridiculous. When he is probably, I don't want to say he's the paradigm of an intercontinental champion in WWE, but he's the type of guy who probably should have been a three or four time intercontinental champion in WWE. And forget the fact that he didn't win that title at all. He only won the United States title once and he did carry it for 240 days. So it was a significant reign back in 2012, but it's been 10 years since he's had his lone singles title in WWE. That is absolutely ridiculous. Even though he had all those tag team accomplishments. So that's, that's, again, that's true. the, These are they are mutually exclusive things. Was he underused? Yes, he was. Was he underused because he was never world champion? No, because maybe Cesaro should not have been one of those guys to be world champion, but he could have been a damn incredible mid Carter who made that IC title something any given year they wanted to put it on him. I agree. I see title, U.S. title. You think about how, how many times over the past decade that they've become irrelevant, such as right now. And you think he's a right. guy who um, could bring some more credibility to it. Uh, but at the same time, he brought credibility to the tag team division. He did. Ways. The bar was a great team. Him and Tyson Kidd was a great team. Um, you know, seven, seven combined reigns is, is, is pretty darn good. So, um, yeah, I, I, you'd like to see more and we'll see what happens next. Yeah, like even if you compare him to Sheamus, Sheamus also an incredible in-ring worker. The the different ability between those two guys to cut promos and tell storylines on the mic and and advance storylines and segments and things like that, it's night and day, really. Like mm-hmm. just putting those guys, juxtaposing them to each other. That's all I'm saying. But yeah. Cesaro, yep. incredibly talented. Um, wherever he goes, I hope I hope he has massive success. If he does leave. If, if that's what happens, I would love to see him in New Japan, wrestling in the G1, wrestling mm-hmm. in Wrestle Kingdom, um, Dominion. I mean, I can't think of a better fit than him fighting for New Japan strong in the United States and for New Japan over, of course, in Japan. Um, but AEW, look, if they want to add him, it's another great wrestler that will have good matches. So that that would be awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'd really like to see him back in WWE, especially if they can figure out a way to make him happy. So. Yep, I agree. Anything else to add, Chris, before we move on? No, not really. Any other topics yeah, you want to you want to throw at me that I forgot to put on the show? No, no, I just wanted <laughs> that just as we started that popped into my head I realized we hadn't talked about it cuz it was like the day after after the last uh, WWE pod, so I figured we should address it. Yeah, no, it was completely uh legitimate and it was my fault for not having it in the first place, so I'm really glad you brought it up. But with that out of the way, let's move on to the first segment here normally on the Getting Over Wrestling podcast, where we slide into the main event. 
Now, Chris, I decided to make this a solo topic, a main event, because there's so much to discuss surrounding, well, the main event of WrestleMania 38, which is now being called the biggest WrestleMania match ever, winner take all, championship unification between Roman Reigns, the Universal Champion, and Brock Lesnar, the WWE Champion. Now, there's a lot to discuss and break down here. I want to save the contract signing on SmackDown and everything that happened on TV. I want to put that to the side a little bit and discuss what I just read to you. The title of this match, which is like so long and convoluted, it's ridiculous. (laughs) But what it really means, because those final two words that I just said, championship unification means the winner coming out of WrestleMania will be the WWE champion and the Universal champion, but probably the next day on Raw, those will be combined into one title, which I am purely guessing will be called the WWE Universal Championship. We'll see. Um, But look, there's a lot of things that trickle down out of WWE potentially making a unified champion. Uh, One brand will be without a main event champion or the world champion will be working both shows simultaneously. That is, unless they end the brand split, which creates all sorts of complications and would force a lot of talent to work TV twice a week after getting used to for years only working TV once a week. And you would think it would also require WWE to unify all of the other titles as well. Now, I received a lot of tweets uh, off of my reaction to this on Friday, saying I was wrong to be pessimistic and that the brand split should be ended, that it should have been ended a year ago or two years ago, whatever the case. And I really think a lot of our listeners, our followers on Twitter, WWE fans in general, forget what WWE booking was like in the mid-2000s and how terrible this product was when there was a single brand going across two shows and how even though there's a brand split now and a smaller roster than there's been in years, and yes, there's still people that don't make it to TV and we wonder why, how many more people will not make it to TV if there is a single brand. If you don't like WWE's booking and usage of talent now, it only gets worse when there's one brand. And let me also add, Chris, and I'll let you get in here. Fox and USA Network, they have to want exclusive rosters. And I just see no way that a potential brand combination would pass muster with both of them. I think it's one thing to unify the titles and you can have the champions go both ways and different challengers on each show and whatever, but it creates, even doing that, creates such a vacuum and a void. We're seeing it right now on Raw. We saw it Monday night on this show where there was no main event scene because Brock Lesnar, the champion, wasn't there. He doesn't have a challenger. They just talked about him like he's some disembodied person holding the title. Imagine that across like the women. Suddenly the women's division on Raw has no championship to fight for because the champion is currently in a feud on SmackDown or Roman Reigns is in a feud on Raw. And therefore there is absolutely nothing going on with the men's division on SmackDown. These are significant issues that I think people are not considering when they say, oh, the roster is smaller. They should end the brand split. Yeah. If you think back to the Attitude Era and you're like, man, Raw was hot and SmackDown was hot, like go back to one roster and do that. 
that was completely different because Raw was a two-hour show, mm-hmm. and the the roster it was just a different time, different everything. It, it's not that. It's going to be what it was in the mid twenty tens, and that is a, a problem. I do not like the. I, I do not want to get rid of the brand split whatsoever. You laid it all out. There's just there's simply just going to be less TV time for a lot of people and more mm-hmm. TV time for certain people that are going to get overexposed. Correct. And it's going to be a major problem. Now, as for the title, I assume this means we're going to get the champion on both shows. I I, I can't imagine any reason they wouldn't have the, the champion on, on Raw or SmackDown. Now, maybe if once in a while they don't show up at every show, which right. I think is its own issue. But right. I, I, I think you get the champion feeding with two people at the same time sometimes, which is, which is what they did for, for a period. Um, it, it, but you, it, can, you can only have one match on the pay-per-view though. Exactly. And they have a pay-per-view right. every that, month. That, that, that's why we don't like this whole title versus title unification at all. Cause you're just, you're, you're instantly taking one main event potential match off of every single card you're doing. Right. And they're doing it that, at their biggest why, show of the year. Right. That's, now. that's why yeah. I don't get it. Now are USA and Fox saying, Hey, we want, both of us want Roman Reigns, so this is a way to get Roman Reigns on both shows, like moving forward. Like maybe, and 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 from their perspectives, I get that. But overall, I do not want the brand split to go away. I, I think the brand split has done wonders for a lot of people who would not be getting attention otherwise, like the Alpha Academy, like a lot of tag teams, like a lot mm-hmm. of women. And and so, no, keep the brand split. I don't like the title unification but I can see ways that they can try to make it work. So, you know, what we just broke down was what would happen if they end the brand split. And, you know, let's save the real deep dive into that, of course, for if it actually happens, because right yeah. now we're just kind of speculating what this could mean. But let's take the other angle, right? If the brand split remains, but they decide to have one world champion, a, a unified, undisputed champion, who I think we all pretty much believe is going to be Roman Reigns. It would potentially be fine to have one world champion if, and this is a big if, Chris, we could trust WWE to elevate the Intercontinental Championship and United States Championship back into true relevance, where the Intercontinental title is really that number two title that it was for such a long time, and the US Championship is like 2B, you know, or three, however you want to kind of describe it. But we have been given no indication that they are willing or able, you know, it's willingness is one thing, ability is another, that they are willing or able to do that. Now, it is interesting to me that there are two mid-card title matches this week with fan favorites challenging for those titles. We saw the result of one of those Monday night, which we will discuss momentarily in the good, the bad, and the ugly. And the other one features a superstar. When you talk about underused, this guy's underused and he has a potential to win the, uh, what is it? The Intercontinental Championship over on SmackDown. So if they figured out a way to put these titles on faces, on strong faces uh, that the fans really like and help elevate them and allow them to start beating people, and then you have monster heels come and take it from them, then suddenly, yes, the relevance of the IC title and the relevance of the United States Championship could allow WWE to successfully have a unified world champion 
and and still have plenty going on in the men's division across the shows when that champion is not on that show. But the problem, Chris, is that they have not proven in years that they are capable or willing to do that. There was that period early in the Thunderdome era where they made the U.S. title like main event type stuff. And and, and mm-hmm. they did the same with SmackDown in the Thunderdome with the IC title. With Sami Zayn uh, and Jeff Hardy. And yeah, it was Yeah, there, there was a period in, in Big E too. There was, they've tried a couple times, um, but as, as much as... As much as you want Ricochet to win the Intercontinental title and be the face of SmackDown, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to happen. Well, I'm not saying he's going to win. I'm just I I'm noting. I know. I'm noting I know. how interesting it was that he booked both of these matches in the same week. Yes. We know the result of one that we're going to talk about. Yeah, it, 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 it is. It is. It's, it's partly that. It's partly also that we still have less than five weeks to, to go to WrestleMania. And they got to give us something. We got a tag team title match coming up next week, too. So they're trying to give us some more stuff. I do think and we talked about this. You know, after uh, Elimination Chamber, which is WWE is going to have to elevate that mid card on the road to WrestleMania because there's nothing else to do with Brock and Roman. And that's what they, that's what they did on Monday. And I, I thought it was a, a pretty solid show overall. So, yeah, there, there is a if WWE tries to elevate the mid card, they can do it. Of course, they can do it. They always can do it. The problem is that they always focus so much attention on. Brock and Roman in, in, in the top championship belt. So so I don't know. I'm also curious, it, like you like you mentioned, combining the belts, what do they call it? It'd be really interesting to end the lineage of the Universal Championship when I when I, I think they've made it more prestigious right now than the main WWE Championship. Ro- mm. Roman ha- having that for so long, it feels like the top championship belt. We've seen the WWE Championship change three times in 2022 already. The Universal yeah, Championship but over the last like a few, bigger deal. Over the last few years, the Universal title has changed far more often than the WWE. It has. It's, it look, it also it's looks, just it also since looks, Reigns had it. It's just, well, right, it's just because Roman Reigns has it right now. Yes. It, it's just, it'd be interesting for them to just end it like that, though. Uh, kind, of, kind of going, I, I don't know. So, yeah, it's got a long, the match has a long name with a long title. And, and, and the biggest WrestleMania match of all time is now the push. So we'll see what it, it is an opportunity to build everything else below that. But like you said, they have to put in the effort. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. Yeah, they have to show that they're actually willing to do that. And, and we've just never seen that willingness or, like I said, ability from them to do it. Now, there is a third option. And the third option, Chris, is to make the unified title, the undisputed title, whatever you, they're going to call it, a temporary move. And I'm not sure exactly how they would do it in storyline if they were to do it, to do it that way. But they could do something like rename this title the WWE Universal Championship, whatever the case, uh, or just the WWE Championship, and then restart the World Heavyweight Championship or restart the Universal title. This was part of what they did and the uh, parallels people aren't going to like when I bring it up. But this is part of what they did in 2002. Uh, when Chris Jericho became the undisputed champion and they had some title changes back and forth, I think with Triple H and The Undertaker, maybe. I forgot who the, or, or maybe it was Hollywood yeah. Hulk Hogan. Undertaker, Undertaker, Triple H, Hogan, Brock. It was Hogan. It. Hogan beat. Brock so too, yeah. Jericho lost to Triple H, who lost to Hogan, is, is what happened. Yes. Yep. And that, I think, was also during the transition from WWF to WWE. But get but what the happened out of here. Right. But what happened is 
they had the brand split and Triple H wound up on one roster or the other. I think it was SmackDown maybe. And they literally just gave him the World Heavyweight Championship. They're like, we need a champion <laughs> on each brand. Triple H, you're now the World Heavyweight Champion. And they handed him the title. Um, well, to be fair, they hand Ric Flair hands him the title, I think. And then they made him beat somebody for it either later in that show or something like that. I think someone stepped up as a challenger and said, that's not fair. And then he beat them. Yeah. And so they had it and then Triple yeah. H won it. Yeah. And I think he only held it for like three months or so before losing it. But the point is that was the beginning of Triple H's reign of terror. That that was like yes. the, how it kickstarted in 2002 when they are literally just giving the guy a championship. It was a very WCW move for them to do that. So, But my very. point isn't to go back in history and talk about what they did then, but to really talk about now. Because what I could see, and I would probably be totally fine with if I knew, you know, Sunday of WrestleMania, April 3rd, that this was going to be the plan for the future, right? Is if Reigns beats Lesnar, he becomes the undisputed champion, he reigns with the title for, let's say, I don't know, two months or so. And they could do a couple really unique things. Uh, one is they could use Money in the Bank in July and put a new championship up there and have a bunch of guys compete for it. But the other you thing gotta they could do... You got to fill out a football stadium. It's one way to do it. It is. The other thing that they could do, which I would personally love, is to basically look at this Raw roster. And what have we been saying about this roster for a long time? Holy shit, it is stacked with men's singles talent, right? And you set up a tournament and you have all of these names. Rollins, Kevin Owens, Edge, AJ Styles, Finn Balor, Randy Orton, Riddle. I mean, I can keep going. Dolph Ziggler you can throw in there. I mean, it's it, the roster is sick. The Raw roster compared to SmackDown, it's night and day. The, the SmackDown roster has two faces, Drew McIntyre and Ricochet right now. Uh, yeah. But anyway, they could set up a tournament, an incredible tournament, by the way, and crown a new champion for Raw a couple months down the line after Roman Reigns retains the title a couple of times. To me, that would be a very interesting development. It would make for good television, and it would take a lot of the sting out of there only being a single champion for a short period of time. Now, I don't know what what happened back in 2002 in terms of why they made it an undisputed title, why they changed it when they did, and why they eventually decided to bring back the World Heavyweight Championship, I don't have the answers for those things. Maybe if I ever get a chance to interview Chris Jericho or Triple H, they can tell me. But in this situation, because they have already played the card of we're going to unify the title, that's what I hope happens. I hope they keep the brand split, and a couple months down the line, they reinstall whichever one, the Universal Championship, do a tournament, and crown a winner. I hope so, but that's just essentially trying to make up for admitting that doing title versus title at this mania is a mistake. All those people fighting for a title, they could be doing that right now at WrestleMania and Brock and Brock Roman doing a SmackDown thing without both titles at, on the line. So But we have yeah, to address love, it based on we have to address it yeah. address it based on what's already happened, not what should right. have happened. Right. It, it yeah. So that it just but that just highlights why we don't like the title versus title unification. And if 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 you're gonna go back, I I, I don't I don't know what's gonna happen. I, I'm guessing I have to think a, a reason for this is because both Fox and NB Fox and in USA want uh want Roman Reigns on their on their TV. And, and this is the way to do it. That, that that feels like the only reason to do a unification match. I don't think they think doing unification match is going to get more seats sold. They're already selling very strong for WrestleMania. I, I, 
So I, I just feel like this has to be a TV thing. And if it's a TV thing, I don't think you bring another title back. I don't know. I mean, th- this WrestleMania card, top to bottom, and, and we'll probably talk about it as we get closer. It is just exceptionally strange. I mean, it's, there's it's a rumor. Not, it's not great right now, but it, again, but it, it's already selling well. So I don't think, and again, but they don't want it selling well. Match. They don't want it selling well. They want, they have, they've sold a hundred and I think 6,000 tickets and counting, obviously day by day. They want 180. Sorry, no, mm-hmm. 160 is what they want. They want 80 per day. So they're not there yet. I mean, they have, by that count, 50,000 plus tickets that they want to sell combined across both nights. So they are, Loading in celebrities and part timers mm-hmm. and gimmicks. Um, you know, this match again, I'm going to read it to you one more time. The biggest WrestleMania match ever, false, winner take all, championship unification. It has three different taglines <laughs> for one match. <laughs> and it was bend. already a huge match. And, and again, again, let's rewind back to December and remember, Chris, this was already a huge match. We were fully bought into it. We were excited yeah. for it. It didn't need anything else to happen. And they changed the WWE title three times. It may have been unplanned, but they still did it. And now we're here where we're talking about unifying a title, potentially ending the brand split, what it could mean for both Raw and SmackDown. Man, it's just so, I, I it's always so, it's so I, I always wonder who I always wonder who buys into the attack line, the biggest WrestleMania match of all time. Like who are there people who are like, Oh, I'm going to buy a ticket now specifically because it's apparently the biggest match of all time. No one's going to think no of one. like that. I mean, we Correct. could have some crazy finish, but like you're going to think of the Austin Rock matches. You're going to think of Hogan Andre. You're going to think of the Dan and Bryan Triple Threat. You're you're going to you're going to think of a lot of things before this match unless there's something we've never seen before at the end. So yeah, I, I mean like, you know, they did that the greatest wrestling match of all time, Edge versus Orton thing back in the performance center days and that was corny but they kind of made it fun at the end it was but it was supposed to be it was tongue-in-cheek the the entire time right but by the way they filmed it this right and this is not that so like right yeah looking at that just looking at that graphic they put up it's like insane it's like it's like a child starting to figure out photoshop and they're just throwing everything on there you know uh, what you know what it is it's it's like it's like they put all the taglines on a piece of paper and they said, hey, which one do you want to go with? And the answer was yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, what should we go with? Winner take all, championship unification, or biggest wrestling WrestleMania match ever? Yes. What, which what one? Did, what, wait, which one? Which one of the three? Yes, all of them. That's great. Yeah. Let's go with that. I mean, they didn't do that. And they didn't do that with the women. They didn't do winner take all and title unification for the women's triple threat. They did winner take all. They did not do title yeah. unification. Correct. Yeah. It, it's simple to the point. Throwing all these things out the, devalues all of all of it. The one thing I will say, the difference between this and that is is the following. Becky Lynch, when she won both titles, it wasn't out of the realm of possibility for her to drop one. It seemed reasonable that she could lose one of those titles somehow and retain the other one. With Roman That's Reigns, true. I guess they, did, they didn't, you're right, they didn't unify it technically. That's true. No, they didn't. They did not. With, yeah. with Roman Reigns, he ain't losing once just to drop a title and suffer his right. first loss in two years and then retain mm-hmm. one title. So if you're going to have it be winner take all, you probably have to make it unification if Roman well, Reigns you is would, winning. You, you would just use the tagline title unification, not winner take all, because the unification implies it's winner take all. 
That's what I'm saying. I agree it, with it, that. It, it, it's, it's redundant. The, the Biggest WrestleMania big... match ever. Championship unification, Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. That's all you need. Mm-hmm. You don't even need biggest WrestleMania match ever. You could say first time ever, you know, at WrestleMania, like, whatever the case. Like the, more, the more they, the more taglines they throw onto this, the less interested I get in the match because it just all feels like they're forcing this it so does. hard. Yeah. It, that's <laughs> the thing. They took something. It. They took something that was, I, I mean, I'm not going to say 100%, but let's make, let's say 85% of fans were really excited about and loving the direction it was going. And I, yeah. I've been saying this. It's been my tagline about WWE for the past like four months or so. They found a way to make it worse. They, mm-hmm. they took something that should have easily been good and did the opposite. And again, I'm not saying that this match is going to be bad. I'm not saying I'm not looking forward to it because holy shit, am I curious to see what happens in this mm-hmm. match now and how they book it and what the finish is and how long it goes. All of it. I am legitimately curious. And I do think it's going to be really good because I, both of these guys have still been revitalized. I do not believe that fans are going to be giving protest chants and throwing beach balls around like they were at WrestleMania 35, but not 35, 34, uh, 34, yep. 34. Um, I don't think that's going to happen again because that was a reaction to Roman Reigns being overbooked, shoved down our throat and the storyline with the finish being blatantly obvious, so obvious that Vince McMahon didn't do it and stretched it out even further and got us even more angry. So I don't think we're going to have the same reaction this year in this match. But it, it this probably should be, Chris. I mean, unless it happens four years down the line for a one-off or something, this really should probably be the last time Roman Reigns ever fights Brock Lesnar. Um, I mean, I wouldn't put it past him. I'm saying it should be. It, it, it should be, yes. It but I, I, I can't say with any sort of confidence that it will be. All right, well, let's talk about this match. Let's talk about what happened on SmackDown. There was a contract signing. Uh, Reigns opened it by demanding acknowledgement from the crowd, from everyone. Paul Heyman said, there's no exaggerating this match because it is truly the biggest WrestleMania match in history over Hogan Andre, Austin Rock, Undertaker Lesnar, etc. There were eight security guards in the ring. Heyman said they were there to protect Lesnar from himself and from Reigns. Lesnar introduced himself and said the only thing stopping him from wrecking Reigns is himself and the contract. Reigns pushed the table toward Lesnar while mean mugging at him. Uh, Lesnar signed the contract, threw it back at Reigns, pushed the table back at him. Heyman promised it won't be a unification match because Lesnar will lose the title at Madison Square Garden. By the way, that's happening Saturday. Uh, Reigns signed and said the WWE title, the ring, the fans, commentary, the WrestleMania sign, everything in WWE belongs to him. He said security did too. So Lesnar murdered eight dudes in the ring. One of the guys, not only did he take a great, I think it was a German suplex, um, but he had a real great presence of mind. There was a microphone landing in the middle of the ring to grab it out of the way and like save the other dude from taking a really bad bump. So shout out to that dude. Um, He ran a table into a couple of pairs. He literally threw a desk chair at a dude's head. That's the dude I'm talking about, actually. He threw the desk chair at his head and he cleared the ring. So let's start here, Chris, with what we got on SmackDown. I thought it was great. It did the job selling the match's importance, Reigns wanting to own the WWE title, and the mindset that both guys had going into the match. It made sense, which is sometimes all we really ask. There's no doubt also that this is going to be a mega match. In terms of the stakes, 
the caliber of combatants, they have successfully made it feel extremely important. It's one thing how they're promoting it, all the verbiage and marketing slogans and gimmicks. But in terms of TV, in terms of promoting the match, this to me was a massive success on Friday. This was a good segment. The only bit I didn't like was Heyman bringing up the Madison Square Garden show again, which none of us care about because it's not on TV. We're not going to be there. And Brock isn't losing the title at a house show. And we know Bobby Lashley isn't going to be in the match. Yeah. Like, do they need I, I do, are they still trying to get tickets sold to, to that to that show in Madison Square Garden? Maybe. I don't know. But that that was just like kind of just rolled my eyes at that. But yeah, you get Brock Lesnar throwing desks around, throwing chairs around like, boom, that 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 that's going to sell me. You got Roman Reigns getting angry on the mic saying he owns everything on this show. Yeah, that's energy. That's passion. That's the stuff that's always going to sell you on a wrestling match. And that's the kind of thing we hadn't gotten from Heyman in the last couple of weeks when it's just Heyman talking and a lot of that sarcasm stuff that I always talk about. We got that Brock Heyman back and forth last week or whenever that was. That was kind of just whatever. No, you need energy and excitement and passion. It's exactly what you got from this segment. And yeah, it makes me feel like these guys really want to be the crap out of each other. And by the way, it's not lost on me as well. Like for all any criticisms we have, this is maybe not the ultimate, but we are getting a big meaty main event at WrestleMania. On Sunday, April 3rd, that is going to happen. It is going to be like Reigns. He's always been a big dude, but he's as big as he's ever been. Right. And and his character and the way he wrestles matches right now. It is in such a unique way that him and Brock combined, I think it is going to be an ex- ex- uh, explosive match. But let's get away now from the segment itself, because I want to talk about how this was promoted and how it was explained, I guess, or or not explained on SmackDown, because that was a big issue I had. Because whether I like the unification idea or not, and we've already discussed that, My biggest problem with it is that there's really no explanation for it that has been given. They did winner take all and didn't unify the women's titles, as we just discussed, three years ago at WrestleMania 35. So why, in kayfabe, are they unifying them here? Why not have Heyman or Reigns say they convinced Stamford that Reigns is the only champion the company needs? Why not have him win both titles at the show And then the next night on Raw, unify them and give some juice and create some news on the Raw after WrestleMania. This wasn't even announced in a way that made it sound like a big deal. When it's a major deal, unifying two world championships, it just appeared as a graphic online. And then it was mentioned by Pat McAfee at the open of the show and carried through into the final main event segment of SmackDown. That is my biggest problem with this and with WWE. Because despite all of the other things we criticize, Chris, their biggest issue is failing to put their best foot forward in important important creative circumstances, especially during WrestleMania season when there is no excuse. You should be operating at 100% creative capacity, at least for the six months leading into WrestleMania. It is not hard to employ the tactics and do some of the things that I just mentioned. It improves cohesiveness in the overall product. It allows 
storylines to feel complete. It's like WWE just shrugged it off and did it without any additional thought. And to me, that is what's maddening. Everything that happens should have a reason and an explanation. If you're going to unify the titles, fine. Tell me why and how that came to fruition. Don't just say it as if it's a normal thing that happens in the course of WWE, because it's not. It hasn't happened in a long ass time. The reason the first unification happened was because you had the WCW championship and the WWF championship, and it just didn't make sense. So we put them together and create the undisputed championship. I, by the way, I love that the name of that title for, for that period that they had. Undisputed champion is a very cool name. When they, when they unified it with Cena versus Orton at the TLC, I don't remember if they ever gave a reason. I think Cena just challenged Orton to in order to unify it. But yeah, you know, when this all when this started, when, when Brock won at day one and Brock said, hey, how about we do title versus title? He didn't say unification. He, he didn't say, let's make it, let, let, you know, they haven't made it clear. Like, just say. We are we are going to determine once and for all who the number one is, mm-hmm. and that's why we're going to unify them. They're, you're right that there hasn't really been that they just decided part to of, start doing it. Part of the promo could have been Rain, two, two Rain saying, yeah, Rain, "Rain saying, I want to be the only world champion in WWE. You don't deserve yeah. to be on my level. It's it's that simple, dude. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Sorry, go ahead. we haven't gotten that. No, that that exactly that's exactly it. We just we haven't gotten them to explain why we we went." almost two months uh, with them just saying title versus title and not talking about unification. So, yeah. Right, and then so they just, just add it. Some little yeah. mm-hmm. Right, that, and that's that's my biggest issue by far. It's just, that to me makes me, you know, a lot about WWE is frustrating and annoying and we watch the product and we criticize it and then I forget about it. You know, I, I brush it off. <laughs> we move on to the next week. But this is maddening. When you have something so important that you yourself are claiming is the biggest WrestleMania match ever, and you can't be bothered to provide reasoning and storyline explanation for unifying the titles. I think that's unacceptable. Yep, I agree. And again, it's not it's not even a major thing to fix. It's just a lack of not paying attention to the little things and just simply asking the why. The why is this happening? Like you just right. you got to take a step back and explain why you got to set up the why and not yep. just here's the thing we're doing. It's the biggest thing. Oh, we're also going to unify the titles. Like you're just throwing stuff on there and right. not setting it up or not giving us the why. And it's just it, 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 it diminishes the impact. Totally. If they imagine them making that announcement in front of a live crowd at the mm-hmm. end of that segment. Hey, you know, screw this. I don't want this to just be winner take all, Brock. I want that WWE championship. I want to be the only champion here in WWE. I own WWE. Done. Yep. Done. Okay. We'll we'll add it to, you know, Adam Pierce comes out, they add it to the contract. Boom. They sign it. <laughs> and, and that's and that's a sloppy way to do it. You know what I mean? There's be, there's a myriad better ways to do it. That's just a sloppy Silver King thinking on on, you know, off the cuff right now. So just su- such frustrating stuff. But all right, look, enough on this unification, Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar, Chris. We got plenty of show left here, and we need to get to it by moving into our next segment the good, the bad, and the ugly. Showing you the good, the bad, the ugly, when your money gets funny in the days. 
face, honey. We're showing you the good, the bad, the ugly, and this is for the hood. You got to love me. By the way, just because I use a Kanye drop doesn't mean like I'm particularly a massive fan of Kanye West. Although <laughs> I was back in college, no question about it. Uh, this Netflix show, Genius, I don't know if you watch it, if it's in your wheelhouse, whatever the case, it's a three-part um, documentary trilogy on Kanye West's rise to fame, taping the College Dropout album, um, you know, joining Rockefeller, that whole deal. It is incredible filmmaking. And I am I am totally captivated by it. The third episode comes out, I think, Wednesday this week. I, I've heard it's good. I haven't seen it. Um, I'm generally familiar with Kanye. Not not a not a massive fan or anything, but uh, I I have heard it's good. So all right, I'll try to find anyway. Out to check it out. All right, all good. Let's talk wrestling. Uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. You guys, if you're first time listener, which we are getting a lot of first time listeners, should probably explain how this works. We talk about everything that happened in the week in WWE outside of the main event. And we tell you whether it was good, bad, or ugly. It's pretty much it. Pretty easy segment. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about the main event of Raw since we discussed the main event of SmackDown. Edge came out in the final segment begging for his WrestleMania challenger to reveal himself. No one's music played and Edge started losing his mind, getting really upset. When suddenly AJ Styles music hits, the crowd was on its feet. It wasn't overly loud cheering, but it was on its feet. Styles accepted the challenge. Ed said he wanted the bulldog, not the tag team bitch version of Styles. He offered his hand. Styles hesitated. Edge attacked him. Styles did get up on him briefly, but Edge ducked the phenomenal forearm and kicked him in the nuts. Edge then did like his catatonic look where he goes crazy. He grabbed two chairs. He was ready to do concerto when he stopped, paused, and then did it not once, but twice. Took out AJ Styles with two concertos. Now, like I said, the start of this didn't get the reaction I hoped, but man, the follow through here, both in terms of his swing and the segment, was perfect. The Edge heel turn was a necessity, especially if Styles is going over, which I think he probably should. But we got the rated R superstar back with that catatonic stare, the crazy hair, a couple concertos. We may even see the brood entrance again at WrestleMania at this point. I'm not sure how this could have been better given the circumstances. It felt like a throwback WWE moment where you end the show on a high, wondering what's going to happen next, surprised at what you saw just develop in front of you in all of the best possible ways. This is such simple storytelling. It completely worked. And we're getting the match I wanted and speculated about for months. Very, very good stuff. It was good. They they delayed it for so long. It, it, it did a really good job of kind of adding the anticipation of who's going to answer. You're like, you're waiting for AJ. But then it's still pausing. You're like, maybe? Would they do Cody? It and got you waiting. Too. waiting. Yep. Yeah, they got you yep. thinking because they waited and they waited. It was, it was a good use of anticipation. And then you get AJ. And you're like, all right, cool. Excited for that. Um, th- this was great. I-, I-, I will say in the moment, I was just kind of like, wait, why is Edge doing this? Why is he freaking out so much so quickly? But we'll get an explanation next week. We don't, exactly. we don't have to have the whole story told in one week. That's fine. I- I'm fine with the heel turn. Opening with the concerto. It- 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 it's-, it's good stuff, but it's also like, man, like we- we've done a lot of concertos over the last year and Opening with this is a lot. I feel like if you had done this in like two weeks or even next week, uh, you know, I, I think it would have had a little bit more impact because you're not just like Edge, don't do this. He's gone. It's wait, why is Edge doing this? We don't have that answer yet. And we've already gone to the concerto part. So, wait, what, so, when, what did he do a concerto in WWE? 
the whole um the the Roman Daniel Bryan feud at last year's Mania. They were contributing. Oh, that was a year ago. Yeah, but then he did um uh it's Seth Rollins. He did, did he did it to Seth or did Seth he? did it to him. I, I swear it was involved. Yeah, because that was when Edge got hurt and had to miss a few weeks and Seth went, you know. So you think Seth did it to him? I think Seth must have done it to him, but just like con- concertos, I-, I feel like are like such a rare thing that I, I feel like we've got a lot of them. I'm not saying you're year. wrong, but the most recent use of concertos that I remember that I that bothered me was AEW, not WWE. Because okay, th- it, that might have been it. That might have been it too. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying I'm not saying Rollins didn't do it. I could, I, I don't remember, so it's very possible he did. I remember Rollins breaking into his house. I don't think he did a concerto, but it. Maybe he did, but what what I remember is AEW having Christian do it to Adam Cole, and Adam Cole coming back. I, I forgot if it was two days or one week, but two days or one week later, he was back on television wrestling. So mm-hmm. that was ridiculous, and I hope WWE doesn't go in that direction. Usually, when WWE does it, it's to keep someone out of action or delay something right. for a right. period of time. And with Edge not being full time, and them kind of probably wanting to go in other directions. On Raw, there's only five. Don't, don't forget also, there's only five weeks, less than five weeks until mm-hmm. WrestleMania. So they need them for the go home show. They mm-hmm. probably want them for the show before the go home show. So that's this is the right time to do it. You need them out for two or three weeks to no, sell I, it. I, 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 yeah, I, I get it. I'm just saying you could have done a, a vicious edge beat down here. And the next week, Edge is like, what the hell, Edge? Why'd you do that? Edge explains why he's angry, and then he takes it to another level and concertism him there. Then you've got two weeks of AJ being brutalized. So then when he comes back, and I just think it, it felt like it felt like two steps forward without kind of setting the... It, I, I'm nitpicking here. I like the segment. It was good. I was just... I, was I think surprised you are. I, was, I, I'm, yeah. I, I am nitpicking. I'm just surprised they opened with a concerto as the, like, as the heel turn. Because usually you kind of Built to the I'm like That's I'm like the king nitpicker, and I think you're nitpicking here. I, I am nitpicking. This is a pretty great segment, and and it given that they want these guys to have time off closer to the show, it makes sense to do it now. Sure. Sorry, I got got. I'm break. looking forward. To, I'm looking forward to this match. Looking forward to more than what they do. Looking forward Honestly, to this match. Dis- yeah, yeah. I'm disappointed because it meant now we won't get AJ for a couple of weeks probably, and I'm like I True. want to <laughs> I want to see more. But of this slots in as a, it's a top four WrestleMania match, probably top three WrestleMania match for a lot of people. It's going to be number one. Their mm-hmm. most anticipated WrestleMania match. Uh, great addition to the card. Badly needed addition to the card. Doesn't, for me, replace a world title match, which we should have another one. But nevertheless, I'm very excited for it to be there. Uh, let's let's keep going. Uh, Ronda Rousey opened SmackDown with Michael Cole for an in-ring interview. She got some chance and gave some babyface answers to canned questions. By the way, Hershey, Pennsylvania, sold out for SmackDown and loud. Kudos mm-hmm. to them. Okay, really damn good crowd that night. Um, but this whole thing wasn't particularly exciting with Rhonda. Charlotte Flair teased her about losing and going home just to make another baby. Then Sonya Deville, who, by the way, is still an authority figure in WWE, attacked Rousey from behind, distracting her enough so that Flair could slam her knee that's been surgically repaired into the post. I think on TV they said it has been surgically repaired seven times. I couldn't find that anywhere. Whatever. She slammed it into the post a lot. Rousey uh, is going to fight Deville one-on-one last week, Adam Pierce made that declaration, and Rousey in the moment still wound up monkey-flipping DeVille and kind of getting up on her a little bit. For me, there just was not a lot of energy or enthusiasm to this whole thing. There were no lines that popped me. Maybe Flair's was okay. Wasn't really enough. 
didn't pop the crowd. And nothing happened that was even semi-memorable. Rousey later said she would show DeVille what happens when authority figures step out of line. I did not think this was offensive in any way, but from a grading standpoint, I actually do have to lean bad here. It was a little disjointed. I thought the interview with Cole was good. I thought this was the best presentation of Ronda, uh, where you can kind of just stand around and someone asks you questions and you respond to them. Um, they're clearly trying to work her and help with her, and she's getting better. She's still not projecting enough with her voice. She's still just kind of talking like a normal person talks. But it's it's getting better. And yeah, and the crowd is behind her. I, I have to credit WWE for that. The crowd is behind her. Um, but the Sonya part, it's like they're treating her like Sonya is one of Charlotte's stooges. Mm-hmm. And that's the issue. She's the authority figure. She has higher rank than Charlotte. There's no there's no real reason that Sonya's doing it. Sonya didn't sneak attack Naomi and she hates Naomi, you know, for, for all those months. So it just like I, I get the idea. Hey, we want to get Ronda in a match before Mania. Let's get some of the rust off. It'll it'll probably help the rating. You know, like I, I, I want these megastars to be wrestling on TV before Mania. So this is the way to do it. So it's just weird that Sonya's the one when she's the authority figure. I'm I'm going to give it a, a, a slight good because I get what they're going for and it makes sense. Um, the execution, not great. It was a bit disjointed, but I still think I lean overall good. It was more good than bad. For me. This is just, it's just to me, it speaks to a situation where they could have used Natalia in this role as a veteran, angry yeah. that Rousey's getting the opportunities. Exactly. Helping Charlotte. They could have used Shayna Baszler. How obvious would it be to use How have Baszler we not done that match yet? Yeah, in this exactly. role? Well, maybe maybe if Rousey wins the title, they will. So, you know. But but Baszler, they could have used in this role. Who, talk about a henchwoman. That, that's what she looks like, right? That's what mm-hmm. she is. And she has the MMA background. So it would make all the sense in the world. They could have used Shotzi in this role. Now, look, I'm glad Sonya's on TV. And I'm glad she's wrestling again and, and she's back. But man, transition her out of this authority role at a minimum and have her actually be Charlotte's henchwoman. If you're going to do it this way, stop having her do both roles. You don't need her. You have Adam Pierce. It's fine. You can move on from her at this point. So just all that was really frustrating. And I just thought it could have been better. So I did go with bad, but it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't offensive. It just wasn't for me good. Uh, over on Raw, Main women's storyline, we had Becky Lynch, Dewdrop, and Nikki Ash against Bianca Belair, Rhea Ripley, and Liv Morgan in a six-woman tag team match. Ripley helped Liv hit this kind of like Escalara splash outside. Becky took Bianca's braid and absolutely ruined her, pulling her through the turnbuckles by it into the post in what was a really gnarly spot. She hit it really hard on her shoulder. Lynch then hit a draping leg drop for a two count and kept messing with the braid, stepping on it, tying it up in the ropes, etc. Ripley dominated Lynch on the hot tag. But Dewdrop's splash broke the fall. Belair hit Nikki with the glam slam, but Lynch pulled her arms when she was trying the springing handstand. So Liv hit a tope suicida only to get pounced outside. Ripley dropkicked Dewdrop. Nikki hit a crossbody on Ripley. Lynch grabbed Belair's braid to break a fall on Nikki. Then Bianca smacked the ever-loving shit out of Becky <laughs> with her braid. Lynch left screaming and grabbing herself. And Belair beat Nikki with the KOD in 14 minutes. From a wrestling standpoint, this wasn't necessarily an incredible match, but it was a lot of fun, bell to bell, Mm -hmm. with the right person winning and the right person losing. Belair's first braid whip was so loud that I thought it was fake, but it wasn't. (laughs) Lynch was cut open across, by the way, uh, if you saw the pictures of Becky, 
including the one I tweeted. Holy shit, does she is she uh, fit now? She's like a full six pack, yeah. whole deal. Um, but across the top of her abs is a huge gash from that first hit. Anyone saying it was fake or that the sound was fake, go f yourself. Go listen to the video that I tweeted. It, it was not fake. Um, I asked last week and the week before how the hell they were going to stretch this feud to WrestleMania. They answered it. I think they found mm-hmm. the answer here. I could totally see them outlawing the braid whip at Mania or maybe <laughs> even having Becky so far as to make it a title versus braid match. As far as this match, I went 3.25 stars in a B. This whole thing was good all around. It was a good I, idea. I, I don't want title versus braid because that's going to make it obvious. I, I, I more obvious. I think he's going to win. So don't, I, I don't want a stipulation like that. I, I, I want a stipulation where both people have something serious to lose because that's, that makes it more interesting. Um, yeah, this was, this was a fun match. Like, like this was just get a lot of really talented people in there. Let them do a lot of really fun stuff. Nikki Ash is the right person to take the pin. The faces win. the crowd goes, crowd goes and enjoys it. Becky is heelish for, for sneaking out of there. She got a little bit of comeuppance on there. And yeah, this was great. This was great. And obviously the hair whip is not, the noise is not fake. They can't even get the Sami Zayn Caliprod buzzer to time up correctly. You think they're going to get the whips to time up correctly? <laughs> of course not. Yeah, that's real. hundred uh, percent. We've seen her do it before. And whoa, man, like I always think like if if Bianca turned heel, like you could make the braid a heel thing. Oh, she so would be easily. such a great heel. Oh, my yeah. God. And she was like, for a short time in NXT. Because, I mean, you can like I don't I mean, it's technically not for an object, but she could put something on the end of it. And I, I don't know. But um, it, it, it's good that they only break it out periodically and in big spots, because the idea is. Is that cheating or is it not? Mm-hmm. Well, she's the face. She's not going to do that. She's going to compete with honor, essentially. And so she doesn't just whip everybody. So, yeah, this all worked. This was great. Added some heat to Bianca and Becky, which we weren't sure how they would be able to do. And nailed it. This is great. Totally entertaining start to finish. I had a really good time watching that match, just like as a wrestling fan. It's one of those things. It was all good from start to finish, top to bottom. All right, United States Championship, uh, Damian Priest defended against Finn Balor. This was the main event match on Raw. It, it wasn't the final segment, but it started, I think, at 10.30 or so. The bell, the bell rang, I think, at 10.30 or so, and they got a good amount of time together in the ring. Now, preceding this, Balor made his entrance, and he stood in the ring for like 20 minutes, 15 yeah. of it by himself, and five of it with Damian Priest waiting for this match to start. There were like... Four different video packages, two commercial breaks. Absolutely ridiculous. There was a Vince McMahon Austin Theory segment in between yeah. there, all while he was in the ring. All while he was like, just standing there. We we've talked about how how they how they stagger this to try to like do the show. But yeah, it, 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 you realize, oh, Finn Balor was standing in there for like 15 to 20 minutes. Yeah. And like in a real match, it's a huge champion's disadvantage, championship cha- uh, challenger disadvantage. It's like in boxing where the challenger makes his entrance and the Champion just sits in his locker room and he's like, I'm not leaving for 30 minutes. Screw this guy, right? It's to get mind games, all that type of stuff. Except in boxing, it's real. In this, <laughs> it's booked that way and it's stupid and they don't even tell it as part of the story. Damian Priest also is making had, him wait for his entrance or something like that. They don't even do that. It had, had to be incredibly boring if you were there in the arena too. Very, yes. Absolutely. In fact, I'll, I'll use this as an, I was going to note this at the end of the show. SmackDown is in Miami 
this Friday. And I was going to go with a buddy. Uh, they, there's two title matches, the Intercontinental title, the Tag Team Championships on the line. And Ronda Rousey has a match against Sonya Deville. The only reason I'm not going, it's, it's WrestleMania season, Road to WrestleMania. The only reason I'm not going is because I thought, man, if I'm there, how much of that am I going to be bored? Sitting there, like doing nothing for commercial breaks and all that type of stuff. And I couldn't justify driving, you know, 75 minutes to an hour and a half in traffic both ways on a Friday night to be bored for half of the time I'm there. I just, I couldn't come up with it. It is, but also it is, it is SmackDown. It's not Raw. So there is less of it. And because they have SmackDown now, what have we been saying on this show for months? SmackDown has sucked recently. Raw has been pretty entertaining. it has, but you just listed off the things that are going to happen. It's going to be a major. It's going to be a major SmackDown. It's but, not one where they're going to they're going to mail it in. But that's what I'm a wrestling fan who has a wrestling podcast where WWE hardly ever comes down to South Florida, and I'm still right. not going. That's that's the point I'm I, making here. I know, but I'm saying I would go based on those reasons. If it was a if it was a Raw, I'd, I'm still even though Raw has a stacked roster, I'm still generally on the fence about going to Raw because one. Uh, you don't have Roman Reigns in two, it's it's three hours. I for a SmackDown with those type of matches, I would go. I, I think you Dude, should reconsider. The SmackDown, first of all, it's it's the Viking Raiders and the Usos. It's been a terrible zero it's gonna be zero storyline, zero storyline feud. It's a it's an intercontinental championship. Two guys I like, Sami Zayn and Ricochet. Again, zero storyline feud. They just did it last week. And it's Ronda Rousey who's gonna, you know she's gonna beat Sonya Deville in three minutes. So I'm not it's not like it's some like grand card where Roman mm. Reigns is fighting Daniel Bryan in the main event for the WWE title, where I'm like, or the universal title, where I'm like, I have to go and see that. This is a mediocre card that's been built up as pretty decent because two titles are on the line. But again, it's an hour and a half for me, basically each way with traffic on a Friday night, which means traffic could be worse going to a downtown area. It's not, I don't know how close the arena is to you, but it's not a, a 25 or 30 minute drive down the street. Yeah. It's very I mean, I, So my point is there's so much working against it that the tipping yeah. point was, man, if I'm just sitting there watching commercials for 45 minutes, mm-hmm. I'm going to be pretty pissed while I'm there. Yeah, no, I, I, it's especially for Raw. Like, yeah, I can't imagine what it was like sitting through all that while Finn Balor's standing there. Like for Dynamite, the matches at least happen mostly during the commercial. Mm-hmm. And they do other things to entertain. Here, I just, I couldn't justify it. Anyway, let's get to why we're actually talking about uh, what what we're actually talking about. Damian Priest, Finn Balor, U.S. Championship. Uh, they traded signatures on a couple occasions. Balor hit Sling Blade and his missile dropkick, uh, but missed a coup de grace. Priest hit two roundhouse kicks and South of Heaven for a 2.8. Balor countered the Reckoning into a Sling Blade, which was done really nicely, by the way. Hit another shotgun dropkick. This time, he actually hit coup de grace, and he won the United States Championship for the first time in his career in 11 minutes. Priest said the crowd carried Balor, then he turned heel. He promised to win the title back before attacking Balor, and it ended with a razor's edge into the announce table. Balor bounced off of it in a really sick spot. Priest then did the too sweet gesture as he walked away up the ramp. The match was good, not great. Three stars and a B minus. Both of these guys can do better and have done better. I've seen it. There was similar booking with Balor and Bobby Lashley trading the Intercontinental title a couple years ago, I forget if it was ahead of WrestleMania 35 or 34, but they traded it twice and then they ended up having like a rubber match at WrestleMania. 
So it irks me that it's a contrived storyline in that way, using the same person in Balor. I really hope the rematch happens on TV and we get a multi-man match for Mania, given all the talent that I just talked about that's available on the Raw side. That would be ideal. But the match was solid. The title change was a worthy idea. Priest's heel turn was actually done pretty nicely. Balor mm-hmm. badly needed a win to reestablish himself. And the post-match attack I thought was great. So overall, this was very good, entertaining, and I thought pretty well done, all things considered. Yeah, I love this. I mean, the match was what it was, but we got the title change, which we desperately needed. Finn Balor got it, which is great. Damian Priest had something happen to him, which is great. The promo he cut on the crowd was great. It was a reminder of like, oh yeah, you remember what they saw in this guy mm-hmm. back when this whole thing, back when he started, like, oh, he he's a he's a good personality who can talk, who can do a lot of things. I can't believe they wasted six whatever freaking months on randomly giving him a Jekyll and Hyde persona when this guy can just go out there and do good shit. This was the highest at the moment. This segment has more views on the WWE YouTube page than anything else on Raw. More than Edge versus AJ, more than Bianca wow. and Becky more hair than Edge and AJ. This, wow. this has the most. This, this, this was such a huge step in the right direction for everybody involved. Uh, I, I, I hope we don't go back to weird Damien Priest stuff. Just let him be an asshole. <laughs> That's all you need to do. He can do it. So I, I, this is really exciting. I don't know what it, what it means moving forward for everything or WrestleMania or whatever, but I'm very interested in the U.S. title picture now. Yeah, he didn't do any of his bullshit, you know, with making the expression and turn the yeah. commentary didn't talk about him turning to a different side. Now he did lose the match, so maybe that's partially why. And, and it gave and it gave him and it gave him a reason to freak out after all the Jekyll yes. and Hyde. He freaks out because of whatever. He finally actually has a reason to go. But even when he didn't, but even he when does. he didn't, he didn't do it in a comedic you know, way where like his eyes bulge out and he starts yeah, pulling yep. at his hair. He just mm-hmm. turned heel. He had a reason to turn heel and he explained it and then he beat the shit out of the guy. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty great. Now, I, I don't really love that a brand new champion just gets killed like that, but that's not necessarily ideal. That's a nitpick. My concern. Well, he he snuck, he snuck up on him though. He surprised him. True. You know, True. at the beginning of the beatdown. My concern, if you want me to project and give you a concern, is they figure out a way and they do the demon versus Damien oh at WrestleMania. Oh That's my oh concern. God. Okay, but oh I'm just saying it's possible. Um, God, now but, it's in my head. I'm not going to be able to get it. Right I know. Now. I know. I'm sorry. I'm terrified. But but. Other than that, and you know what? Even if they did that, it could potentially be good, you know? Um, But regardless, let's kind of look back briefly and we'll move on. Priest actually had a really, I want to say strong as the adjective, uh, US championship run. The character change screwed it up at the end. We discussed it. We know that. But when he won the title and the way he was booked and handled through like the first half to two thirds of it was very good. And it's the longest reign that WWE's had for the United States Championship since 2016 when Rusev had it. So, you know, this a change was a long time coming. It was badly needed. And Ballard needed to be someone who was elevated by winning the title and brought kind of back. They promoted him the whole way before the match last week, before the match this week, during the match as a former world champion and NXT champion. It seems like they're trying to elevate him again. Doing this is a really good step. I was just very... 
I don't impressed is the wrong word. I was very pleased with the entire package that we got from this segment. Yeah, I think everybody looks better coming out of it. There you go. I'm, I'm interested now. All right, plenty more to talk about. Not much time left. Let's do it. Kevin Owens did the KO show with Seth Rollins, saying it was a travesty how they've been screwed over all year and they have one more chance at WrestleMania getting there as tag team champions. KO wore a cowboy hat sideways, then stomped on it and promised that his hate of Texas would not distract him from winning those titles. Alpha Academy joined the show and Chad Gable was hysterical once again, especially working with KO and Rollins. Gable got major cheap heat that would probably make Elias jealous uh, by insulting Ohio State. Rollins said they'd make it a win-win by winning the titles off Alpha Academy, but they would defend them against them at Mania. That way Gable could be on the show. Gable and KO then argued out over how to say shoosh, uh, and Gable ate a stunner. This was thoroughly entertaining, this part, and obviously good. I love the shirts. I love the Alpha Academy shirts. This is shoosh, and then a oh, thank you. I the the bit where they where Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins keep saying, "Why do you say it like that? That's not how you say thank you." Like, so good. They're they're so the two of them are so good at the little things. Impro- improvised or not, just like little comments that are, are hilarious. The segment was was really fun. Uh, it, it set up, you know, obviously set up the match and everything. But starting off the show, and, and you do it get this way. Uh, I'm I'm enjoying Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins together. We'll get into whatever Mania is going to be, what they should be doing. But for what this was, this was really fun. So we got a match afterwards: Alpha Academy against Rollins and Owens in a non-title bout. Otis missed a Vader bomb. KO off the hot tag, hit a cannonball in the corner and then off the ring apron. He did another one into both guys. Then he frog splashed Gable off the apron before getting leveled by Otis outside. Rollins hit all of his signatures for a near fall. KO blind tagged and nearly got a near fall of his own. Otis avoided a stunner, squashed KO and hit the Vader bomb on him. Gable followed with a moonsault as Rollins broke the fall. Gable then countered a stunner into a German suplex, but KO avoided a second moonsault. They combined for a pop-up buckle bomb, stunner, and stomp for the one, two, three to beat Gable. And they got face cheers, KO and Rollins, after the bell. And they also celebrated backstage with um, a short promo. So this was extremely fun. 13 minutes. I never like seeing champions lose like this, but there are two main eventers here, Rollins and Owens on a team. So if you're making this match, it had to be the finish for this match. Plus, it took two signatures and two finishers to beat Gable, which is obviously a lot, makes him look strong. I love the teamwork from Rollins and KO. It really made you believe that they are going to win the titles next week and walk into Mania as champions. 3.5 stars B for the match, and very good all around. Normally, we don't like when two singles people team up and beat the tag team champions, but these guys have been a team for a while, and more than anything, they just work well together. They're multi-finisher Finisher is a teamwork thing that they set up. So and if you're going to put two singles people together, make them feel like a team. And these guys absolutely feel like a team. These guys are on a tear. I mean, I mean, the, the past few weeks, I, I fully, you know, normally we see, oh, you know, you beat the champions. That means you're going to lose next week. But they've presented these two these in, in a way over the past few weeks where you really feel like, to use the WWE words, they have momentum. Mm-hmm. going into this title match and that they are good enough and maybe should win. So th- this was, yeah, I, I don't necessarily like the tag team champs losing, but it's to a team that are two former world champions 
and they're who are working together as a team. It, it works. This was good. If they win the titles next week and go into WrestleMania as champions, and that's the match, that's them at WrestleMania. And let's say they fight RK bro. Maybe they do a triple threat with the Street Profits, something like that. Are you okay with that booking? I, because for me, changing titles five weeks before WrestleMania, it's it's like the, the prime example of not doing long-term storytelling. It's like, we got to get these guys on the card. Okay, let's make them champions. That way they have a match on the show. It, to me, both of these guys should be in singles matches, number one. But if you're going to do them in a tag team storyline, they should have done that immediately as soon as Rollins lost to Reigns uh, in that Universal Championship match. They immediately should have gone into a tag team storyline going out. And they should have won the titles a month and a half ago or whenever that happened. I don't know. I don't know if they know what they're doing with these guys yet, or at least as of recently didn't know, because for a period, it looked like we were going to get Rollins versus Owens because there, there was kind of some betrayal mm-hmm. by Rollins. And there seemed like the start of the breaking of the friendship. And then Kevin Owens pivots to complaining about Texas. And you have these reports about Stone Cold Steve Austin. And now you feel like, oh, maybe they are going to be the tag team champion. So I don't know if this is just, continually to divert our attention or if this is they're still trying to figure out if Stone Cold Steve Austin can wrestle uh, I I don't know if it's the two of them in a triple threat tag team match especially if the Alpha Academy is not in that I will I will not be happy about that Alpha Academy have been great champions I don't like the idea of taking the titles off of them five weeks before Mania and then not putting them on the show I don't like that I also don't know if I'd love them in a in a four way tag with the Street Profits with RK Bro, with Alpha Academy, because then that's just a lot of people. And you're right; these these are two main event singles guys for a WrestleMania. So I I, I don't know I, I don't know how to feel about what their Mania situation is yet, just because I I really have no idea. So I'm kind of just waiting to see what they do because so far I've I've enjoyed them. So yeah. I'm still kind of on the fence. It's just like if if they don't win the titles, then you say, okay, Owens has the Austin program. Like, let's make believe that that's real. And they do that. Then what the hell is Seth Rollins doing? Yeah, I don't know. There's just nothing there. They'd have to create something for him, basically, because you're not going to leave Seth Rollins off of WrestleMania. So that leads me to believe that there's a good chance that they either win the titles or are in a title rematch somehow as challengers at the show. And you could still theoretically... They could lose and then on night one and then Owens on night two could talk shit about Texas and Austin could come out. Like you could still make that happen um, because it is a two night show. But yeah, it just it seems convoluted and I I just don't really know what's going to happen here. Let's talk about the other half of it because we got RK bro against the Street Profits in a tag team match. The Profits, I thought, gave their best promo backstage in months uh, because it was real. It actually had substance to it. They were talking about finding a way to be number one contenders for the Raw Tag Team titles at WrestleMania. Riddle made like five weed puns and broed it up with Randy Orton in gorilla position. Orton got the hot tag in the match. Ford countered the RKO with an enziguri and hit his huge frog splash. But when he landed on it, his knee went right across like Orton's shoulder, collarbone, face area. Mm -hmm. It was tough to tell. He immediately checked on Orton. Orton rolled into the corner. He was trying to put his foot on the rope as Ford covered him. He couldn't find the rope. Angelo Dawkins... Looked like he may have tried to fake push it off the rope, which I don't know if that was improv or if it was supposed to be on the rope. Whatever. Ford got the one, two, three. 
in a botched finish in nine minutes. This was just really unfortunate. Obviously, having RK Bro and Alpha Academy both lose before the tag team title match next week, I don't think was the plan. Or if it was, it certainly wasn't going to go off in this way. Orton and the Prophets looked upset that they all screwed up. The key here is for Orton to be okay because he's had shoulder and collarbone issues earlier in his career to the point where, you know, hitting it the wrong way could obviously cause a problem. Ford over Orton would have been really cool if it was on purpose, but it wasn't. I think this may be the first time in the history of this segment. I'm not going to go good, bad, or ugly. I'm just going to give it a grade of incomplete because it didn't happen in a way where we know what it was supposed to be. So, you know, the match was going okay until this happened. But yeah, it's just unfortunate the way it went down. I will say there is precedent in this good, bad, ugly where we don't give a grade. Sometimes if it's if nothing happens, we don't give it a grade. Sure. I'm, I'm not sure how I, feel. I understand your incomplete grade, but uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. It First off, obviously, yes, we really hope Randy Orton's okay. That is the most important thing. It looked like possibly, yeah, shoulder collarbone because theoretically you would want to put your foot on the rope because you can't lift your shoulder you know if it was a wrist Mm -hmm. or a hand you could still lift the shoulder so um i I don't know we'll have to wait and see on that it wasn't supposed to happen but honestly i didn't i didn't hate the result the idea that the street street profits won after that pretty good promo i was like oh okay like let's get these guys legitimate now they have a case to make. Do we make this a fatal four-way next week? Or or if Randy's hurt, maybe they just slide the Street Profits in instead. Um, but kind of going into last year's Mania, SmackDown did a really good job building up four teams. And they ended up doing the, 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 the match on the Friday SmackDown instead of the show. But there's a chance for WWE to do that again here, where all four of these teams are really good teams and have a case to make. Now, as I just said, Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins are a lot bigger than being in a four-team tag match, but so is Randy Orton. So, you know, I, the Street Profits look good. They they beat they they beat they beat RK Bro. RK Bro's lost two weeks in a row, three weeks in a row now. So that's it's like the opposite now, where they don't have the momentum going into the championship match, and it makes me curious about the match next week. So. Obviously, we hope Randy runs okay. They botched the finish, but I think there's a lot of ways where you can spin this into something better. Yeah, I, I just don't know exactly what they're going to do. Next week, obviously, with the title match, is going to provide a lot of clarity, so we don't need to spend too much more time on it now. But it certainly was a situation where I liked what they were doing, and then I saw this, and I was like, Ugh, I don't get this. And I, I mean, I want I want Street Profits at WrestleMania. I want RK Bro at WrestleMania. I want Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens at WrestleMania. And I want Alpha Academy at WrestleMania. Do they just do a fatal four-way match? It's very possible they do that, right? Um, Can they do a triple threat with any incarnation of those three teams, any combination of those three? Yes. What's the one team that would get left out? I think it would be Alpha Academy, unfortunately, which would be absolutely absurd if that's what they did. So look, there's numerous things that can happen. We just don't know. I'm going to pause on it and, and say we'll talk about it later when we know more, probably next week. Uh, Sami Zayn celebrated his intercontinental title win as justice finally being served. He promised that the conspiracy theory against him was real despite him overcoming it. Sami said Shinsuke Nakamura could get a rematch, but he shattered his knee. Zayn issued an open challenge and Johnny Knoxville came out to crash the party like Sami Zayn crashed his red carpet. 
He got Johnny Chance. He did from the Hershey crowd. Knoxville wanted a title match. Zayn said he doesn't belong in WWE. Knoxville questioned his manhood and fans chanted. Sammy got in his face and said he's not worthy as fans chanted again. Zayn attacked and hit, but really missed a haluva kick. Then he actually did hit a second one. Zayn later apologized backstage to Adam Pierce for, you know, roughing up a celebrity. Uh, but Pierce got fired up. Ricochet stepped up for a challenge and he was granted a title match next week, you know, even though Sammy was protesting. So I'll judge this segment on its merits. It was good. The promos worked. The crowd was hot for it. And it was easily their best in-ring interaction in WWE so far. I'm just begging WWE here. Please, for the love of all that is holy, do not give Johnny Knoxville an intercontinental championship match at WrestleMania. In my personal WrestleMania 38 card last week, when I booked the damn territory, you were here for it, Chris. I had Ricochet in the match with Sami Zayn with Knoxville in his corner. Now, they ha- if they do something like that, whether Ricochet goes in as champion because Knoxville costs Sami the title or they rematch it, whatever the case, I'd be okay with it. It would just be such a shame to let Knoxville challenge for what should be a top two title in this company. So again, the segment was good. Straight up, it was entertaining. But I am massively pessimistic for this entire thing. Yeah, I'm cautiously pessimistic if that's a thing. It was like, it was kind of like the complete opposite of the US title, where it's like, we have a title change. Suddenly every, you know, shit's getting real. I'm interested in the US title picture now. Intercontinental title, we have a title change. And Johnny Knoxville is challenging for it. I, I, I'm concerned, I'm concerned, I'm concerned. The segment was good. Johnny Knoxville, very over, gets chance. It kind of just stands and moves naturally in the ring. He's not a wrestler, but like he stands like he belongs in there. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get a ricochet title match, which is good. So for right now, it's good. I am with you and we've said it before. Yes, no Johnny Knoxville title match. Please put him in the corner for somebody. Like, it's the easiest thing in the world. You, you do that. You can get him on the show. Have him do a rough spot and Johnny Knoxville does a move or something. I, I I don't know. Do not give him a title match at Mania. Correct. But this was good. Someone tweeted at me, Silver King, uh, why were you okay with a kid winning the Raw Tag Team title at WrestleMania if you weren't okay? And I'm not going to call this person out. If you're not okay with Johnny Knoxville challenging for the Intercontinental title. Well, really quick, two reasons. One, it's the Intercontinental title, not the Raw Tag Team division, which is has been garbage for a very long time, the way WWE treats tag teams. Two, the kid didn't win the title. Braun Strowman won the title, and the kid was with him. And three, I wasn't okay with it, <laughs> okay? <laughs> Anyone who listened to me on the podcast back then, I forgot what WrestleMania that was, I thought it should have been a two-on, I mean, it basically was a two-on-one handicap match, but I thought it should have been a very clean two-on-one handicap match with Braun Strowman winning the tag team titles himself and defending them as champion mm-hmm. and, and letting people go after him. They did everything that I didn't want them to do with this, where he, I think he just gave them up the next night on Raw or something like that yep. because Nicholas couldn't defend them um, because of school, yeah, obviously, of course. So, so, no, I didn't like it then. I don't like it now. And putting allowing a celebrity to challenge for the Intercontinental Championship is abs- would would absolutely be mind-numbingly stupid to me, period. And winning it would be even worse. I, I could never get, I don't know that I could ever get over that if you actually won the title. All right, let's move on here. 
Uh, Sasha Banks fought Shotzi Blackheart randomly. Uh, Naomi made her entrance before the bell and danced with Pat McAfee. Banks quickly hit two of three amigos plus a meteora and a new pendulum codebreaker move. That was pretty cool. Then she hit the backstabber in a bank statement and absolutely squashed Shotzi Blackheart in two minutes. Let's not forget the last time that like, we really saw both of them, they were fighting each other and put on, I, I don't know the exact time, but like a 15 minute banger where we praised them. Now, three months later, they're both back finally and Shotzi gets squashed in two minutes. After the bell, Naomi goes into the ring, grabs a mic and proclaims that she and Sasha Banks are going to be the next women's tag team champions. And then they hugged. That's literally what happened. A two minute match and a new tag team created without a shred, even a droplet of a storyline, a do droplet of a storyline. Literally one woman saying, we are now a team. And, and they're going to get, I wrote here, presumably, it was confirmed Monday, they're going to get a tag team title match at WrestleMania for reasons. I never thought I would give something with Sasha Banks, Shotzi, and Naomi in it. Anything but a good. But every single part of this was ugly. Like, WWE can't even put a fucking storyline together for a WrestleMania match. Naomi can't mention, hey, Sasha, we were teammates in Team Bad. What do you think about us rekindling this and going after the tag team titles? Sasha agreeing to it and then them making the challenge. Give me something. Give me anything. They gave me absolutely nothing. You know what another word for nothing is, Chris? Zero. Zero point zero. Yeah, this was ugly. I, I couldn't believe it when it happened. I was like, wait, that's it? <laughs> you're just you're just saying it and you're doing it? Like, again, this is like what we said with the unification thing, but on a worse way. Just give us a reason. Have Naomi fight Carmella and then and then uh, they come in and they're they're beating her down and Sasha rescues her. And then next week, say they're going to go for the tag team titles. Just give us something. You're just, you're just, Naomi just comes out for no reason and then just says we're going to do it for no reason. And Sasha's like, all right, cool. Like, not even all right, cool. It's like, like, it's like they had previously discussed it, but we didn't see them talking. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It was, I, I, I can't believe it, it happened. And no one just said, like, wait, how, like, why? Like, why is this happening? Why? Again, just like, yeah. And, 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 and part of the negativity is on, us in the sense that this like you said the wrestlemania match this likely means hey we're not going to get any sort of sasha bailey lita trish stratus type of thing which we wanted in fairness to wwe and they never promised us that so that sucks as well but yeah goodness this was this was a mess in just the, the absolute least amount of effort that could possibly be put into booking and all of those women involved deserve a lot better than that yeah, you're right. It was the least amount of effort that they could have put in. They could have at least put them in a tag team match against someone, beat them and said, hey, why don't we actually do this and go after the titles? A million ways you could develop a storyline in a single show. And they chose none of them. And again, you still got five. You got five. And weeks. you have five weeks left. Yes. It's not it's not like you needed to do this now. You could you could build it up. You had some time. Yeah, they, maybe they could have each individually lost matches and said, hey, you know, what if we team up? But there's so many ways they could have done it. You're right. They just... Threw it out there. Uh, on Raw, Carmella and Queen Zelina accepted the challenge because uh, there's no other tag teams in the division. Uh, Mella basically <laughs> said when they retain the titles at WrestleMania, she's going to bang Corey Graves in the middle of the ring. She seriously said that. I laughed at that, which is the only reason I'm giving this a bad instead of an ugly. 
I just wish there was a shred of storyline here. There's there's none. Uh, on Raw, it was bad. On SmackDown, it was ugly. Real quick, th- this was a reference to, we haven't talked about it here. We're not going to watch it. We're not going to talk about it. The Carmella and Corey show, where which I think is on the WWE YouTube channel. It is. Yeah. And the entire like trailer preview for the show was just them talking about having sex and making jokes. So this, so Carmel is building off of that, which I get, but like it didn't make me want to watch the show. I haven't watched the show yet. I'm probably not going to, but I just wanted to note that. Sure. Uh, New Day versus Los Lotharios on SmackDown. New Day rode an ATV that was a gift from Kofi Kingston to Biggie for his birthday. Biggie got the hot tag and took down Angel Garza uh, for the three count, but Umberto Creo broke the fall. Angel countered SOS and took Kofi Kingston down with a suicide dive right to his face. Angel had every chance to win, but got distracted by the ATV. He literally just at ringside was staring at it for no reason. Big E took Umberto down outside. Angel super kicked the life out of Kofi. Then Big E got into the ATV and threatened to run over Umberto. That somehow distracted Angel, who believed that Big E might murder his cousin in front of a sold out crowd (laughs) in Pennsylvania. And New Day won with Midnight Hour in 11 minutes. Don't get me wrong. The work in the match was good. It was a fun match that got, got the crowd hyped. This is the third time we've seen this match in four weeks. And the stupidity of the ATV, it took me out of it on two different occasions. I'll go ahead with three stars and a B minus just for the wrestling. I'll say good just for the wrestling. Um, I was going to give it a bad. I didn't really care about this at all. This is what, three straight weeks, I think? Three and four. These teams have fought for no reason whatsoever. There was the attempted murder by the face as a distraction. Yeah, this this was a bad man. What what the hell are they doing with with New Day and Big E five weeks away from from WrestleMania? Good Lord, man. It's just it's unbelievable how they're completely not a factor at all. It's just un, it's, it's wild. And and I, th- I thought Xavier Woods had been cleared, but he's still not there. I, I just don't know what's happening. It's weird. Uh, they had Sheamus and Rich Holland talk to New Day about the ATV backstage I could not figure out what they were saying or why they were angry when New Day drove off. I presume this is a few they're building, but what a silly and ridiculous thing to base it around if that's the case. We'll talk more about that next week. Uh, Drew McIntyre fought Happy Corbin, or he was scheduled to fight Happy Corbin. Actually, he was scheduled to fight Mad Cat Moss. Let me get into this convoluted story for you. So Corbin laughed at Mad Cat Moss backstage for the Alabama slam shot, you know, where he almost broke his neck at Elimination Chamber. WWE had announced a McIntyre and Moss rematch, which we don't want to see and have already seen twice now. But Corbin said he's going to fight and that they're going to give away a WrestleMania match free on television, McIntyre or Corbin. They literally ring announced Corbin as undefeated. Again, he's 3-0 in singles matches since October. Corbin reiterated on the mic that them fighting is a WrestleMania match and then had Moss take his original spot. They double teamed McIntyre. He, McIntyre hit the Glasgow kiss. And then Moss hung onto the ropes to avoid the Alabama slam. McIntyre dominated and was ready to win with Claymore when Corbin distracted. Moss ran him into the post and hit a DDT for a near fall. Moss ran the ropes three times, but McIntyre stood up and hit a Claymore in what was a pretty cool spot for a win in seven minutes. Again, there's something about McIntyre and Moss. They really do work well together. They do in yeah. the ring. <laughs> and I'm, I'm truly stuck between good and bad because that storyline I just read you is as convoluted as something can be, I mostly hated SmackDown this week. So I guess I'll go with bad instead of good because it's really right on that line. McIntyre Corbin is not a WrestleMania match. 
I don't want to see it at WrestleMania, especially if there's not some stipulation there like Hell in a Cell or Steel Cage or something to make it like actually interesting. And the fact that they even booked and gave us McIntyre Moss for the third time and again doing it on SmackDown, it was maddening. This was bad. I don't want this on my TV. I'm so done with Mad Cat Moss and Happy Corbin. I've been done with it since the second it started. I'm more done with it now than ever. Wrestling was pretty good, but the segments overall bad. I was really hopeful when they told us we were getting Corbin versus Drew because I was like, oh, maybe they have something bigger for Drew now. Right. And they're just going to they're going right. to get Corbin out of the way now. I'm 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 excited to move past this. And then when they say, no, I actually doing Mad Cat Moss again. I just was like, ah. And so, yeah, we're going to get Drew McIntyre is going to have bare, happy Corbin at WrestleMania. New Day and Big E right now are doing nothing. SmackDown is completely lost. Uh, as a show. Yeah, this is bad. You're right. It is lost as a show. I mean, what we just talked about between New Day, they have New Day, Drew McIntyre and Sasha Banks. And, and by the way, Naomi too. And they don't know what to do with any of them. Yeah, they can't figure out something exciting with all of these guys. They couldn't have turned Drew McIntyre heel maybe and had him go against Big E. Or who the hell knows? They could have figured something. Like, like, just uh, we don't need to get into. We're not going to get into the whole thing here. But just, I just want to say, compare that. Not knowing what to do with Drew McIntyre, Sasha Banks, Naomi, Biggie, New Day at the moment. Compare that to AEW just being like, you know what? Let's just put Daniel Bryan against John Moxley because people want to see it happen with imagine a good storyline. Like, yeah. Ima- but imagine, if, yeah, imagine if they just said, hey, let's have. Drew McIntyre turn heel or Big E turn heel or something. Let's just, or they're both faces. Let's just do Drew McIntyre versus Big E. We haven't right. seen it, I don't think. People want to see it, do it at WrestleMania. Like, and, let, and let's figure out a creative way for that. To, let's figure out a creative way for that to happen. Hey, maybe and, it, instead it, we, and ahead, instead we got to do happy, and instead we got to do happy Corbin for, for no reason. Just a waste of time, a complete waste for a WrestleMania. Yep. Yep. They make the easy things hard. That's what it is. Uh, yep. The Mysterios fought Hurt Business on Raw. Ray cut a pretty awful promo. Dominic kind of saved it, but not really. Miz then ran down his entire resume, put over Logan Paul. He got a ton of heat from the crowd. Cedric Alexander did a cool like clothesline Uranagi on the apron. Dominic ran the ropes. He looked like he was stuck in quicksand. He was going so slow. Miz interfered late. Dom got rolled up by Shelton Benjamin for the win. I liked seeing Benjamin win, but really, we have to protect Dominic. The guy can't <laughs> eat Pater and just get a real pinfall for Shelton. WWE insists on half-assing wins like this, and they did it in the next one we're talking about, which is even worse. I'm actually going to go with good because there was nothing offensive here, nothing particularly bad that happened, but man, it's the little things that could be so much better. I was going to go bad because I didn't care about this at all. I did think The Miz cut a pretty good promo, but this is what I said when they started this feud, The Miz and Logan Paul versus Mysterios, is that that the heels are going to be way more dynamic on the mic and the mm-hmm. faces aren't going to be. And I don't know if they're going to be able to gather enough face heat via talking on the microphone. And one weekend they did that. Yep. They've proven that to be true already. We had Robert Roode against Tommaso Ciampa. Ciampa countered the glorious DDT into a roll-up for the win in three minutes. The heels then attacked with Ziggler hitting a super kick and cutting a promo that promoted NXT on Tuesday. This just sucked. It was far worse than last week. Two weeks in a row, they have Champa beat Rude, which should be great, but they don't actually want to put him over either time because both were via roll-up. He didn't hit his finisher or even just get a hit a signature move or something and get a flat pinfall or do a pinning combination where he catches him, but at least it's a real wrestling move. Real wins in longer matches actually help someone, help them get over. 
Tommaso Ciampa is not a ricochet where he needs to win by happenstance. He's a legitimate, great, strong, good-looking wrestler in terms of like size and strength, even though he may be a little bit short. And while it's great to see Ciampa on Raw again, holy shit, they, the quality of his theme took a major hit. He said Ooh. on Instagram he wanted to change it because the old lyrics, he didn't really believe in them anymore, especially amid COVID and a lot of people dying recently. But yeah. it is quite a significant downgrade from a theme. You could just do that old song without the lyrics if you want. That's what I would have done. This whole thing was a shame. Start to finish, poorly done. Bad. Bad. And it's like, it's a complete op. Like, I'm, I don't watch NXT, but I've caught these segments and they do a great job with the four of these guys, if you include Braun Breaker, on NXT. And then, yet, when they do it on, on, on Raw, it sucks. And it doesn't make me want to watch it. It doesn't make me want to watch NXT next day. I mean, I do because I like wrestling, but like, it's such a poor job of promoting it because. Like you said, Ciampa has to win via happenstance. Why does that make me want to watch them, you know, do the next thing? So the theme change, didn't love it. Couldn't barely even hear it. Mm -hmm. Hearing his explanation, I understand. So I understand wanting to change it. But yeah, didn't like it. Uh, the Usos talked shit in a backstage interview with Sam Roberts randomly for some reason on SmackDown <laughs> about the Viking Raiders. I thought they all had a title match on the show. I, I was pretty sure they said at Elimination Chamber, they were going to do it on SmackDown. Uh, the Raiders attacked them and screamed they wanted their title shot, but they already have a title shot. They're the number one contenders. Uh, it was later announced that their title match is next week on SmackDown. This is nothing. I'm going to say good. It wasn't bad, so I'm not going to say it was bad, but it's just, I, I don't care about this. I want it to be over. I want the Usos to move on. Same. Nothing really else to say. All right. We had Zaya Lee against Natalia on SmackDown. Backstage, Zaya said she was excited about her first match. And Natalia was the one who would need protection. She also got her full Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, whatever you want to call it, entrance again. It's kind of sick. They had, get this though, Aaliyah, Drew Gulak, Mansoor, and Shayna Baszler watching the match backstage. Imagine throwing Baszler in with those other three people. Unconscionable mm -hmm. to me. Uh, Zia Lee showed off her athleticism. Then Natty slowed the entire match down with an abdominal stretch. The crowd chanted Hershey's chocolate. I was going to shit on that initially, but I saw on Twitter that they chanted that because Natalia dissed Hershey's during an in-arena promo that wasn't on mm. TV before the match. I thought it was a protest chant to the match. It wasn't. It was an anti-Natalia chant. So they were cheering for Zaya by doing it. So I'm okay. Okay, because commentary, I was waiting for commentary to say what it was because I couldn't make it out, but I don't think they could make it out either. Well, or uh, Pat McAfee it. said that the crowd was chanting Zaya's got it. He turned it yeah. around, which they yeah, weren't. Clearly yeah. were not. But yeah. yeah. And he, anyway, Zaya hit an exploder style suplex for a near fall. She escaped the sharpshooter, did a power up type of pose, and won with a spinning heel kick in four minutes. And she got sparse cheers after the bell. Typical issues here. The match was too short and too slow to get Zaya over, given she's never had a TV match before for the main roster. If they let them actually work and do a few things that were exciting, she could have been showcased and gotten some crowd reaction. None of this is her fault, of course. She did have a spark. Hopefully WWE saw it. I'm going to be nice here and say good. They let her win with a finisher and she looked good. Natalia made her look good. I just have a really bad feeling it's going to be the start of like a three or four match rematch feud. And that's obviously not a good yeah. Yeah, it was it was fine. I guess I'll give it a good. I, you know, I, they periodically the idea of Zia Lee just coming to the rescue of random wrestlers as the protector, like that was a pretty cool thing they did for like 
two weeks and then we just like didn't see her for a month like you don't need to have her in a feud necessarily i would love to just see that and then it leads to a match here or there but just like someone who's just kind of always waiting in the wings to help a face that needs it sometimes like i thought that was kind of interesting and they just kind of dropped it and now it, she's just in a regular feud so whatever. it would kind of make your other faces look weak though if they need to protect her well, just if they were getting beat down in an un, in an unfair heelish type of way, you don't have to do it every time. Right, right. That makes sense. All right. Over on Raw, we had Omos against T-Bar. Uh, Omos got a video package and then talked about dominating all of his challengers. He said T-Bar was his biggest opponent yet, I guess, from a size perspective more than anything else. Uh, Omos pounced him off the apron before the bell and T-Bar played dead. Then Omos won with his finisher in 38 seconds as WWE piped in booze after the finish. This was horrible from bell to bell. Uh, it was horrible from the start of the segment to the end of the segment. Omos even dressed poorly. How the hell is Dijak's name still T-Bar at this point? Retribution's been <laughs> dead for like a year. They're all either released or not on TV, and he's still T-Bar. Holy shit, was this ugly. And this was so bad that we had two big meaty men slapping meat. I'm not even giving it a sound drop here. 38 seconds. Go after yourself, WWE. And and I saw, I think on Twitter, you declared Omas's career dead. Yeah. Time of death was 8.40 p.m. on Monday night. It's over. It's Look, over. this was terrible. This is terrible. No way to no way to put it. Omas is now not in a position to help him succeed. I, I said it plenty before, but there was so much potential with the AJ tag team that they just didn't do anything with. And now they're having him out on his own and he's not ready for that. And there's nothing you can do. Yeah. Omas so, is dead. Yeah. Commander Aziz has been dead, but he's also not even on TV anymore. Apollo Crews is gone. He was, he was never any. Yeah. No, and I'm just saying, and Braun Strowman was released. So there's your three giants all just made into nothing. Good job. WWE, uh, Dana Brooke and Reggie. I'm glad we had time though for this. Dana, you know, take it away. God, God forbid the, the big man match goes three minutes or four minutes. We got to get Dana Brooke and Reggie against Tamina and Akira Tozawa. Reggie won with a flipping sent on in one minute. He almost broke Tozawa's neck. He almost landed on the back of his neck. Dana then made out with him to celebrate. Tamina then grabbed Tozawa and kissed him. Tozawa, credit, was funny, acting lovestruck, like he was in a video game with birds or, or hearts flying around his head or something like that. A couple of weeks of this was decent around Valentine's Day. It was. It was okay. This was atrocious again. Absolutely ugly. I'm giving it a bad, but I actually didn't hate it. I did think it was kind of funny in spots. Was it a waste of time? Yeah, I'm giving it a bad. But of all the 24-7 stuff that they've done, basically since the inception of the belt, most of it is absolute garbage. This whole story is, it's it's digestible enough, but still a bad. And then lastly, we had uh, news on SmackDown that Vince McMahon will be a guest on the Pat McAfee show this Thursday on Raw. Austin Theory put McAfee over and got it in Vince's head that Pat could get agitated and jump him, which I don't know why he would ever think that. Um, but also Theory is not really a smart character on TV. Uh, Theory also said he'd be happy to join McMahon, will go there with him, basically be his protector. McMahon said it's not that kind of show where there would be a fight. And Theory looked at the eraser uh, on the table and smiled to himself. So if it had not already been leaked, which well, spoiler alert here, you guys can skip the end of the episode if you don't want to hear it. It had been leaked that there's a chance an angle is set up on this Pat McAfee show with Vince potentially 
for them to be in a match at WrestleMania. Now, there is not a shred of me, not 1% of me, that believes 76-year-old Vince McMahon is going to be in a singles match with Pat McAfee at WrestleMania. Maybe there's something else that happens, whatever. I don't believe that's going to happen. They made it crystal clear here, though, that an angle is going to be set up on Thursday to the point where they beat the viewer, me, you, everyone listening, over the head with it to basically say you should tune into Pat's show because a storyline is going to develop. I'm going to say it was a bad segment with Theory just because it wasn't done well, but I am really excited to see what happens Thursday. Pat's show is a treat. His interview with Brock Lesnar was incredible. And I could definitely see them throwing a question that he asks Vince about the state of the product, about AEW, something that could set Vince off and be really interesting, leading into an angle with maybe Pat McAfee versus Austin Theory in a low-card match at WrestleMania, which, by the way, would be good for WWE getting the promotion from Pat, and it would be a good opportunity for Theory. So something's going to happen here. I have a feeling the end result is going to be good, but what we got on Raw from Theory and McMahon, that was bad. I was unaware of this Pat McAfee, Vince McMahon, dirt sheet, blip, whatever. Oh, it was so all that over was the a, place. Yeah. I, I, I missed it. So that's interesting. Um, I, 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 look, I haven't read it, but I can't imagine Vince McMahon versus Pat McAfee. It doesn't make any sense. It, it, it's gotta be, <laughs> it's gotta be Austin theory for everything that was set up. You know who would, you know, what would have been absolutely perfect, not perfect, but like would have been really interesting would have been Pat McAfee versus Shane McMahon. Absolutely. But or but Pat McAfee versus Corey Graves, who is now cleared, by the way. I don't know. I don't know how you get there, but I don't know about Corey Graves. Well, yeah, I, I get. Oh, yeah, I guess I could see that. But uh, I mean, like if, if the idea is like Vince could be attacked or like they, they set up the Adam Cole stuff on Pat McAfee's show back in the NXT days. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's not unprecedented. Um, so I, I guess I'm interested now. Um, well, I, I have to imagine theories involved in, in some way. But there was also one line in there. Uh, I wrote it down. Austin Theory said to Vince, like, this is your first your first sit down interview in 20 years since the Bob Costas thing. But that's not true. He did the Stone Cold sessions or whatever. Yeah. Like, a few years ago. Yeah. So, but he didn't fight with Steve Austin on that. That's what he was trying to. No, but to. but they said it was his first interview in 20 years. It's, it's not. So I, I think he said this is like your first. Like, like he was saying, like, oh, you don't do this often. Was was the point? Mm, they did. I understand. He he did a sit down with it, it, he did a sit down with with Austin. He did. Seemed to ignore. He did. E- either way, um, I guess I'm interested. I think he said. I think he said with the media, or with or with someone outside WWE. I think there was a context. I, I think he said sit down interview. I don't know. Either way, whatever. Um, I guess I'm interested to see what happens. I don't really. There's no. I don't really have anything to grade because nothing really happened. No. But, yeah. Um, I mean. I guess we'll see. I, it, it can't be Pat McAfee versus Vince McMahon. That would make absolutely no I mean, sense. no, no, no. Be, you're wrong. You're wrong. It, it certainly can be. I don't think it, it certainly can, can be, be, Chris. I don't think it will be. I though. will I will say though, this this does show that they 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 really must feel desperate and a need to pull out all the celebrity stops that they can if they're gonna do maybe a Johnny Knoxville match, maybe a Pat McAfee match. We have Logan Paul in a match and I'm okay with celebrities being in the show that that's fine. My, my issue is not having the celebrities. My issue is not having plans for Drew McIntyre and Biggie and all these other people. Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens and correct. And and these, and these people will be on the show, but it's just not in the right spot. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, this WrestleMania is shaping out to be very strange. It's going to be strange one way or the other, even if somehow they pull out some incredible matches that they add to the card, like wrestling matches, um, late, 
I don't know any way that this is not a, the strangest WrestleMania card that we've had in years. Uh, without a question. But that is it for this week in WWE. We really did cover it all across uh, our opening segment, the main event, and the good, the bad, and the ugly. I would appreciate now that you've sat through and listened to nearly a two-hour podcast, you head on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify and remember that getting over is so while you're there, please leave a five-star rating on Apple. Also leave a review. Let people know how much you love this damn show and why they should listen and why the WrestleMania season is the best time of the year to subscribe and listen to the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. Also, please do not forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast, not only for episode releases, but live shows, tweets during all the TV programs. Every reason in the world to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. We will be back on Thursday, as I mentioned at the start of the show, with our AEW Revolution Ultimate Preview. We'll also talk about NXT on that episode. And then on Sunday, we will have a live pre-show on Twitter Spaces for AEW Revolution, along with AEW Revolution Instant Analysis as soon as that show goes off the air. So we have a loaded week here for the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast, a loaded month ahead as we continue down this road to WrestleMania 38. But at this point, folks, I'm just going to leave you three final words. Bye for now.